I've loved this so far. It's been really fun to preach this because it's been really all about vision, of course. It's one of my favorite things to speak on is, is vision, what God's doing in our church. And it's really exciting. Uh, it's really cool. Man, I, I just got to give him a moment of celebration this morning. Uh, on Friday night, we had a, a four-hour prayer service here. Uh, yes, four hours. And yes, it went by like it was an hour. It really did. I mean, maybe you think it didn't, but I just did. And so it was wonderful. And we had 50-some people show up on Friday night to pray and to see God's face. That's a pretty cool thing, isn't it? That's a reason to celebrate. And we celebrate that because that's what moves us forward as a church. Prayer it moves us forward as a church. Jesus said, my house should be called a house of prayer. And there's any wonder why prayer is such an underutilized thing to believers because prayer is absolutely vital to believers, right? We have to be people of prayer. We have to be people who see God's face and his promises and his word, and we do that. And so it's really, really exciting, and I was just really excited about that and, and pumped about that. What a great, great night that was. And, of course, if you missed it, uh, your chance to pray is every single Sunday morning together with us. Here on, on, on Sundays, 9 o'clock, from 9 to 9.30, we pray uh, together. From all ages, we just pray and ask God to bless our service. And so if you have not been a part of that yet, man, get out for it. It's really, really a great time. And so, But we've, we've been talking about believing for greater things. And, and that's one of those things that could be said by believers that sound really good, but don't have a whole lot of heart behind it, right? It could be. You know, things like, like bless his heart. You know, you say that, you don't really mean that because you're going to say something mean to them after that. But, you know, there's some things we say sometimes are just nice things to say but don't have a whole lot of guts behind them. Believing for greater things could be that. And that's what we're talking about, positioning ourselves in a place this month where it actually does happen in our church. Where we can believe God for greater things and see greater things happen. Week one, we talked about uh, prayer, how prayer, how vital prayer is, that you can believe God for anything. You can believe God for, you know, purple dinosaurs and, 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 you know, and pink clouds. You can believe for that. But just believing alone isn't what makes things happen. It's doing what God is, what God wants us to believe for. So that comes through prayer. We, we talked about how prayer connects us to God and how fasting disconnects us from the world. And, and I don't know about you, but I know it's a little too easy for us sometimes to be connected to the world, to not listen, to not hear God's voice. And so fasting is important. And it was cool. I, I heard from somebody, I'll mention their name because then that'd be bad, but I, I heard from somebody this, this week who had been fasting from social media and Facebook and using that time to pray and to fast and to see God's face and to read the Bible. And man, they have just talked about how wonderful that time has been. Fasting is a good, good thing. We talked about that in week one. We talked about how, how discipline is important and vital in our Christian walks. And how there is discipline, as Psalm says, is like a voice crying out in the town square among many voices. 
And it takes discipline to hone in and listen to its voice. And so that's where our a disciplined discipleship, a disciplined life of reading the word and, and praying comes in. And of course, the third week we talked about Caleb, how Caleb had a different spirit when it came to going in and seeing the, uh, the promised land and, and many of the, the spies saw was impossible. Caleb saw what was possible because God had promised it. And so the Bible says that he had a different spirit because he trusted God. I want that kind of spirit in my life, right? Anybody else want that kind of spirit in my life too? Man, seriously. And then today, we're going to set some goals and some boundaries and some things within our church that I'm really, really excited about and such as we kind of finish and close this series out and talk about what God has for us over the coming coming year, and and, because I want to believe God for greater things. Anybody else want to believe God for greater things? Of course, you know, and again, it's not just um, some pie-in-the-sky empty thing we say. It's important, and and really, I've discovered something that, in my life, that so greatly has to do with this idea, and that's my attitude. My attitude and your attitude has a big, big pull on your faith life, Right? The word says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is valuable. Faith is, impo- is, is important. Faith trusts God. But so often we come up with all the reasons and things that say, well, God, this is why you won't do this, and this is why you don't, won't do that. And certainly those things play a, a place. But today I want to believe God for some greater things. Listen to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. I want to believe God for things like that. So the question this morning is this. Is that if that's true, then why do we so oftentimes, why do we settle for so little when he gives so much? Why do we settle for so little when God gives so much? Why do we hold back? That's the question we're kind of going to wrestle with for a minute here. Why do we hold back in our lives? Well, maybe our focus of blessing is in the wrong place. Let me ask you about something this morning. If, if at the end of the rainbow for you, if at the end of the rainbow, the promise for you is a happier you, it's a, a selfie that you take because that makes you look all good and, and, and such, and you're happy and all that kind of stuff. If that's the goal of your life, to be happier, or to be more, you know, just smiley and such, then maybe your focus is in the wrong place. Maybe your focus is in the wrong place. You see, the focus of our life is not a happier me, right? The focus of my life is not a more fulfilled me. The focus of my life, the focus of our lives, is Jesus Christ, Him crucified, and His goal and His place for our lives, right? That's it. And living like that, and operating like that, brings happiness and joy in our life. It's a bad happiness and joy. It's a byproduct of holy, right living. It's a byproduct of doing things within the context of what God has called us to do. God's challenging me in, with this in my life right now is that if I could just wants what he wants. If I could just, if my heart's cry could be what he, his heart's cry is. If I could say, God, what you want is what I want. I was, I'm passionate about, God, what you want in my life and what you want for people. If, I, if that could be my aim and my goal in life, now I think 
we'd be on to something here. The other nights, my, my daughters who, uh, you know, I'll be honest, I, I break on them sometimes, but I also am honest about them sometimes. They're, they're, uh, they, 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 they bicker and they fight and all that kind of stuff like any, any kids do, but it was pretty fun the other night. One of them was, and I won't say who it was, but by the story, you probably, if you know them, you'll be able to know who it was, if you know my kids, but uh, one of them was a little cranky one night, and uh, she was a little upset about some things, and so my other daughter uh, came to me and said, Daddy, I want to color, you know, so-and-so a picture. I'm not going to say who it is. I'm going to color her a picture to cheer her up. Can I have the markers and, 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 and the paper? Now, in our house, we got a rule. Uh, no markers and paper down when mom and dad aren't watching. Because it's funny, markers and paper have a way of making marks on walls and carpets and furniture and such that somehow no one knows how it got there. So we, you know, made a rule in our house that doesn't come down. But I'll tell you something. I broke that rule the other night. You know why? Because that daughter wanted what I wanted. That daughter wanted what her father wanted. I wanted with all my heart that that girl, that daughter, who I keep saying her name, I'm not going to do it, that that girl is, is, is cared for and that girl is blessed. And so my daughter, who uh, shall remain nameless, when she went to do that, she got all that she wanted, she got all that she could, and then the smile on her face was precious. And I was like, maybe we are doing this thing okay. Maybe we're not completely off. But, but, but you know, I don't want half of what God wants. I want to believe for the whole thing. You know this morning, there's a, a great passage in, in the Bible that illustrates this. 2 Kings chapter 13 today. If you'd turn there this morning with me, if you would. 2 Kings 13. It's a story. It's a peculiar story. Uh, and there's two people within the story. There's, there's, there's King Jehoash, which makes me glad that you don't still use Bible names, because I don't want that to be my name. But King Jehoash and the prophet Elisha, two men, two, two people, very different people, are, are the subject of the story. The king, first of all, King Jehoash, the Bible says if you kind of cheat and, and read before this, you find that King Jehoash was not a godly king. The Bible says that he followed in the footsteps of his predecessors, of his fathers, and he did evil in the sight of God and, and the people. And the problem is, was that King Jehoash was leading the people of God and leading the people of God further and further into sin and destruction. And so that's King Jehoash. But King Jehoash had a soft spot for God. And then you have Elisha. And Elisha was the prophet in this situation. This is towards the end of his life. And Elisha, who had been mentored by Elijah, who was another very, very anointed prophet, Elisha was very different from King Jehoash. Elisha was, was passionate. Elisha was a man of God who heard from God. Elisha was a prophet and the role of prophet in the Old Testament was really twofold. Prophets heard from God and spoke to the people, and prophets spoke to God on behalf of the people. And so this is what they did, and they would oftentimes bring words of co correction and words of encouragement to God's people. And so here in this story, we find the two people there towards the end of, of the king's life. And let's read it this morning, if you would. Again, Second Kings chapter 13, starting... In verse 14, now Elisha was suffering from the illness from which, from which he died. Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. 
Now, what's fascinating here about this, this little portion was that he didn't come up with this little saying. If you read back in 2 Kings chapter 2, you find that Elisha, this very same prophet who he'd been talking to, Elisha said the same thing to his mentor Elijah. But the difference was when Elisha said it, Elisha was directing this to God, saying God is the chariots and hope of Israel. This is what God's role is. But this king right here kind of shows his hand a little bit and says this about the prophets. This shows us that this man, this king, did not recognize and understand and see where Israel's hope was. He believed that his hope, the hope rested in this prophet and not in the God that the prophet served. Let's read on. Elisha said in verse 15, get a bow and some arrows. And so he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. And when he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, and verse 17 says he did, as he, as he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elijah said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram. Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. I want to pause there for a moment today. Because this is the reason why some people say, well, God's not real or God's not good or because God is so very violent in the Old Testament. See, what's happening here is these people were a, a, a division, if you, if you will, of the Philistines. The Philistines' sole purpose and goal in the Old Testament is to destroy the people of God. They, they so much so that they wanted to annihilate God's voice in the world. They wanted to wipe God's people off the planet. And it wasn't just because they didn't like them or because they, you know, thought they, they ate weird or they had bad pizza or something. Because they desperately hated the God that they served. Had God not allowed and caused these people to defend themselves and stand up for themselves, we may not be here today. And so it's a good thing that at this point, God caused his people to defend themselves and stand up for what was right and stand up for themselves so that God's word and God's voice would continue. And so that's what's happening here. The Arameans had advanced to the east of, of, of Israel, had come in and were threatening the people of God. So here we have, this is a serious situation. So here we have this happening. You will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, verse 18, take the arrows. And the king took them. Elisha took them. Strike the ground, he said. And he struck it three times and stopped. Then the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed. But now... You will only defeat it three times. And Elisha died, as, as it said there in verse 20. He does a very interesting thing right there, doesn't he? Now, I got a, a bow up here today, and don't worry. Some of you guys are like, oh, no, what's he going to do? Uh, trust me, I'm not going to shoot it. Uh, I needed actually, I'm a little nervous even because I, of this thing. I, I had to have Rick this morning help me even string because I don't know anything about this stuff. And so I'm a little, a little bit, you know, cl clueless. So what happens here, again, is that there's a very peculiar thing happening. That the prophet tells the king to pick up a bow and arrows and do this strange thing to open up 
the window and to shoot the arrow out the window. Wow, I almost did it there. No, I'm just kidding. I really didn't almost do it. But uh, to shoot the arrow out the window, that's a very interesting thing, isn't it? See, here's the thing. When God calls us to something, he almost always has something for us to do. When God calls us to do something, he almost always has something for us to do, some way for us to participate, some way for us to jump in and to do something about it. Now, it may seem trite or unnecessary. You can certainly see here, you read the story, you think, well, what in the world? Why would he do this? And it seems that way, doesn't it? It seems trite and necessary, but the reality is this morning is that God almost, almost always has something for us to do. Now, for us, oftentimes, we believe in God, we want God to do things, but so often our response to God is, God, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to wait for it to happen. I'm going to wait for you to do whatever, and I'm not going to take any kind of action. Now, generally in the Bible, that's not how it goes. This story right here is a particular experience of that. God had a purpose, God had a plan, and God called the king to do something in this place. Now, the, the interesting thing, too, on this was that uh, this actually was a very common thing for kings to do. For us, it's not that common. We don't get this too much. But in these days, if you were a king, you would have understood that this was a very significant act. That when kings would go to war, what they would do is they would go to the edge of the, co- the country or they would open up a window and they would pull back an arrow and they would just shoot an arrow right into the land as a declaration of war. And so what, the, what Elijah here is saying is he's saying, young man, you're going to war. You're, something's going to happen here and get prepared and get ready for this to happen because it's going to happen. And so what this meant was if you received an arrow into your land, you had a couple choices. You knew that this king was coming after you. You could either make amends and you could make a peace treaty. You could, you know, try to ask him some questions and figure out why he's declaring war. Or you prepare and ready for war because war is coming. You'd have about 30 days to do this or so. So, so really, for the king, this was not that outside of the norm for this to happen. Now what's interesting here is it continues because that's not where the story stops, does it? It continues on and says some more things. Now, but before we get there, i got to ask the question, what's our key to victory? Because here, it's, here the, the king, or the, the, the prophet shows the king what the key to victory was, doesn't he? He shows him, hey, the key to victory is this arrow. The key to victory is doing this in some way, some sort of, of way. And I don't understand the whole, and neither do you. Some way, the arrow that God, that, that, the, that, the, that the prophet called him to strike, in some way, was, was tied to his level of victory. And so the key this morning for us is, is what's our key to victory? What has God called us to do in our lives? What has God called us to do that, that, that's, that is either active or, or inactive? What's God called you to do this morning? Again, what God calls us oftentimes, it's, he oftentimes calls us to do something. Is it prayer? Is it standing in faith for someone that you know is not, not serving, serving them? Is it a, a, an act of, of giving? Is it an act of, of, of leadership? Is it an act of, of, of 
preaching or is an act of, of whatever it might be this morning? Is it faith? Is it praise? Is it prayer? Humility, repentance, love? What is our key to victory? And the Bible is filled with examples of God calling us to doing things, isn't it? Again, praying, worshiping Him, fasting, seeking His face, being in His presence, uh, you know, discipling people, preaching the Word. The Bible is full of those examples of keys that God has given us to victory. My question this morning is a simple one. What holds us back from giving it at all? Think about that as we move into the next portion, because the next portion here is particularly interesting. The, the prophet takes the arrow, takes the bow and arrow, and if I could have a young person, Nick, come, on, come here, man. Get up and Nick this morning, he comes out here today. Nick's in big trouble because uh, you never know what's going to happen. Nick, are you ready for this? You don't know? Do you trust me? Does your mom and dad trust me? That's a bigger, bigger question. They say no. Okay, come here. Come here get, get, get close to the middle. Nick, I want you to do this. I want you to take this arrow. Now, don't pull it back, okay? Just take the bow and arrow and just hold it right here in the back, but don't pull it back. We don't need a lawsuit here this morning. So, so here we go. So, so what happens here, again, this passage is that the king calls on the, 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 I'm sorry, Elisha calls on the king to pick up his bow and arrow and put it in his hands. And then, the, then Elisha, the prophet, does a very peculiar thing. Now again, he is towards the end of his life, and so he's probably shaky and, and old. He comes behind the king. As the king pulls it back, he puts his hand on the arrow. And, and, and as he releases the arrow, the, the prophet's hands are on the king's hands as he does this. Now remember... This king believed that Elisha was the hope and the answer for what was going to happen. He believes that Elisha was going to help this, that Elisha being God's voice and, and God's direction for Israel, that if Elisha dies, there goes the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha was saying, not so fast. Because what God calls you to do, God will put his big hands on your little hands and help you in that situation to do the right thing and give you the victory if you'll do what he's called you to do. Right? Have a seat. Now give it up for him this morning. God help us if we think that our hands are the big hands and God's hands are the little hands. God help us if we think that our hands are big enough to not need God's much bigger hands to walk us through things in our lives. God help us when we forget about God altogether and we pull back the arrow, open the window, and do things all on our own. God help us when we live our lives like that. Church, it didn't work then. It hasn't worked in the past. And it won't work now. When God calls you to something, God calls you to obedience. God calls you to repentance. God calls you to do things. But the promise is, is that God will also be the big hands over your little hands and help you walk through it when you live and walk in obedience and faithfulness. This morning, church, many times in our lives as believers, we tend to forget that thing. A dangerous thing happens when we step outside of God's clear direction and try it on our own or force his hand or whatever else it, it might be this morning. Now, what's fascinating about this, too, is that this passage, he, the, the, the prophet Elisha, 
tells the man of God, tells the, the king to pull out arrows. We know that a quiver of arrows was between 8 and 12 arrows. That certainly, pretty much whenever you find in the Bible, in Old Testament times, you find that if somebody is called out or somebody is told to take up arrows, uh, that they are told to take up a quiver, and a quiver is 8 to 12 arrows, always. And so what's fascinating here is that the prophet tells the king to pull out his arrows, which would have been 8 to 12 arrows, and strike them against the ground. Again, kind of a weird thing, right? And, and, and we don't know. It could have been like this. And he could have struck him like that. He could have, you know, just kind of dropped him or, or thrown him. But who knows what he did. But we know that what it says right here is it says that he took the arrows, took the ground three times. So one, two, three. Now I wonder what was the case going through his mind. And certainly we, we know the scripture here. It says that when he did that, he might have thought, okay, I did what I was supposed to do. But the Bible says that this prophet was angry at him. Now remember, Elisha was not just any prophet. Remember who Elisha was. Elisha was a person, was a prophet, a man who asked God for a double portion of Elijah's blessing. So e- e- Elisha was a double portion prophet talking to a king who took maybe half or maybe a quarter of what he had available to him, dropped him to the ground, but had some left over and had things left over. My question today for myself and for us is why do we easily hold back? When God calls us to something, when God calls us to do something, why do we hold back? Elisha gets mad here, and Elisha says, if you'd thrown them all down, you could have had victory. But because you didn't, you get half the victory. Why do we so oftentimes, when it comes to God, give half of our efforts? This morning, I'm talking not just to you, I'm talking to me this morning too, because you've heard before, uh, preachers and people and Christians and such talk about, you know, like, you go to sports events, and guys are painting their chest and their faces and you know we went my chris and i went to the vikings game uh towards the end of the year it was like eight below outside i was eight above it was not that cold yet but it was pretty cold and there's guys down there with their shirts off and they got their you know stuff painted in their faces and they're going crazy and i'll be honest so was i i'm a big football fan so i was going crazy too we, we hear these things sometimes which says man people get so excited and riled up at, at football games and such but why not in church and that's a good question but A deeper question is, why do we seem to always want to hold back? When God calls us to lay down sin, when God calls us to repent over things, when God says, you have sinned, you have messed up, you have done the wrong thing in my eyes, you have done this, why do we so oftentimes make excuses and say, well, God, it's not this big of a deal, or it's not that bad that I do this, or it's not that bad that I look at this thing on the internet, or or whatever it might be, and we hold things back, and we hold back what God's given us, and maybe we give a little bit, or a few portions, or a few areas, we hold back most of our quiver. Why is that? Does our quiver mean security? Does it mean, well, again, for a, pe- a person these days, a quiver of arrows meant this was, this was defense. This was their food. This was, this was everything. And so certainly you can understand the king's heart here, but you can also understand here the prophet's heart where he says, no, 
And here's what I think this is showing us this morning, is that your effort will in some way determine your level of victory. Your effort will in some way determine your level of victory. Now before we go on, you can say, that sounds like you're talking that, man, if I don't try hard, then God won't love me. And that's not what I'm saying this morning. Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to the heart behind this. Why do we so often hold things back when God has called us to live and to walk in victory? Why do we always seem to want to give a halfway effort? Now here's a question that, It's too late for for them, but not too late for us. What would happen if the king would have given a full effort? What would have happened if the king said, man, if these arrows, and I don't get it, but if somehow, in some way, these arrows represent victory, and I don't understand, but if they do, then God, okay, fine. If this is what it is, I will give four, I will give five, I will give six, I'll give eight, I'll give twelve, I'll give whatever it takes, God. I'm going to give forth an eight to twelve arrow effort, and I don't care what happens. We know this. That God hates lukewarm behavior. Not doesn't kind of doesn't like it. Not, you know, ah, well, you shouldn't be like that. No, God hates, the Bible says, lukewarm behavior. Revelation 3.16. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's pretty difficult, pretty heavy, pretty weighty stuff. But the reality this morning is this. It's not based on, our, our, on, on this. It's, it's based this morning on saying, God, my attitude and my heart says, Lord, if this is what it takes, if this is what it is, then Lord Jesus, I will pour it all out before you. I will give you everything. This is church, how we plan, pray, work, give, improve, and try here at Bridgeview. It's why prayer is critical to moving forward. God has big hands, but in some way, God's called us to do some things, and we're going to give an eight-arrow effort. We're not going to give a three-arrow effort. We're not going to give a two or a five. We're going to give an eight-arrow effort. If God, by somehow striking the ground, builds your kingdom, that Jesus, I will empty my quiver. If God, that determines that, then Lord, I will empty my quiver. At at one point in in 1 Kings, Solomon gave more than he had to, and God responded with a yes, a resounding yes. The story of the widow's mite who, who gave everything that she had and placed it in the offering plate, and you know, if it was two pennies or two coins or whatever, we know it wasn't It wasn't much, and that's not the point. The point is not the amount. The point is the heart behind it. Why, when God calls us to things, do we so easily want to get our weasel our way out of those things and not respond to God with a resounding yes? Resounding yes. It's just, God, this is what I want to do as the band comes forward this morning. Or, it's not the band, just uh, Pastor Joe, if you could, come forward today. Here's a a starting point of discovering and doing your calling this morning. If God's called you, if God has placed on your life and your heart to give everything, you could give everything in a place and a time where it doesn't do much. You've got to listen to God's voice and hear what he's calling you to give. But when he calls you, you give it. And here's a starting point of discovering that in your life. The, 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 the thing you can do is define your convictions. Your convictions are values that remain unshakable regardless of of conditions. 
Define what God's placed in your heart. Define your convictions. Define that and say, God, if that's what you're calling me to do, I'll give everything. If God's saying, saying you know, young man, young woman, old man, old woman, whatever it, it might be, I'm calling you to, to do this or to do that. I'm calling you to reach the community. I'm calling you to pray. I'm calling you to fast. I'm calling you to whatever you might be. Okay, God, I will give you an eight-arrow effort with all my life and my heart. You get it all. You get everything. Again, sometimes we struggle in this thought process because so often we feel and we see and believe that thinking about these things leads us to being happier or more fulfilled or better, and that couldn't be further from the truth. What God's called us to do is to build his kingdom. What God's called us to do is to build his kingdom, that we get Get the credit. We don't get all the, all the accolades and such. And that's an okay thing. We pour our lives out before him. 2016 is going to be an eight-arrow year here at our church. It's going to be an eight-arrow year. And I'm going to, forgive me here, I'm going to pull these arrows up so that uh, I can use them again here. But also they don't get broken because I didn't buy them. So I don't want them to get ruined this morning. But 2016 is going to be an eight-arrow year. I am believing God for some things this year, and I want to have you also believe God with me for some things here over the course of this year. I'm believing by the end of this year that this church will have 200 people in it consistently. And you say, well, why, you know, why is that? Yeah, let's give a hand this morning. That's pretty cool. You say, well, Pastor, that sounds like all you're all about is numbers. And, and believe me, I'm about numbers a little bit because every number is a name. Every number is a story. Every number is a person. In this church, we don't believe in just numbers. We don't believe that you are a number. We believe that you are a person who is uniquely gifted and uniquely given to this church body as a person who has a purpose and a reason for being here. You are not a number. You are a person. But I believe that there are plenty of people who are not here yet who need to know about Jesus, right? Amen? There's plenty of people in our community that don't know Jesus, that don't know the, the hope that he brings. You see, I don't want to see us just have 200 people. I want people that are being saved. I want people that are coming in here that are lost without Jesus and finding their hope in him. And you're with me on that this year. I want that to happen. Amen? That the, the 2016 is an 8-year-old year. That people are finding and following Jesus. I am seeing this year as a year where our leadership is being developed. God gave me a plan many, many years ago and called CPR, Connect, Prepare, Release. And he has called us as leaders and as people to do that, to connect with people to the mission, prepare them for what God has for them, and release them to it. For 2016, we'll see uh, our, our leadership team with a thorough understanding of that and a thorough doing that in our church. How many believe that if we have people in our church that, are, that, that genuinely care about people and are looking for ways to help them find Christ, to find their mission, to develop that, prepare them, and then release them, that this church will be a force to the community? Anybody believe me in that? You see, it is not about just this, because people need to know Jesus. You have neighbors that need to know Jesus. You have 
support this and family and friends that are living their lives lost and without hope. There's plenty of people in this community to help find. So that's what 2016 is going to bring us. What it's going to bring us this year also is a new thing we're going to call Kingdom Builders. Kingdom Builders is pretty cool. I'm excited about this. I believe in God that this church can somehow, someway raise $40,000 to go to missions this year. That's a pretty big number. That requires some faith on my part. Uh, I was a little bit even nervous to bring that up today because I was like, God, that's a lot more than we've ever given. And so, you know, that makes me nervous. But you know what? We've got to have big plans and dreams, don't we? I believe that if we could be a church that gives, and this is money, kingdom builders is exactly what the name says. We are going to build the kingdom of Jesus. We are going to, as a church, continue to support missionaries. Do you realize that this church supports missionaries all around the world? We have some amazing missionaries that are doing some incredible things. We're going to continue to support them. We support missionaries that are on the ground in the Middle East planting churches. We support ministries that are working in the front lines of the sex trade. Uh, and and they, are, they are there, they are working, and they are rescuing young men and women out of that. We support ministries that do that. We support ministries like Josh and April Amiot, who are friends of mine, who are down in, in, in Central America, and their plan is to see a thriving, Holy Spirit-filled college campus ministry on every campus in entire Central America. they got a big plan. They've got a big desire. I want to help them do that. Anybody else? That's what we do. As a church, I want to see us support our community. We have plans in place to begin to support our local food shelves and help centers. My desire in my heart is that if this church closed, there'd be a line of people out the door saying, you can't close, come back. This place needs you. You cannot close those doors. You make too big of a difference in the world. Right? That's what I want to be as a church. I have a vision this year, and this will be a big one as well, that towards the end of the year, we're going to do a thing called Serve Week. Now, what's Serve Week? Serve Week is this. If we were, we were to take a missions trip, we'd have to take time off, and we'd have to go someplace and spend a lot of money to go someplace and do some work and come back. Why not have a missions trip right here in our own backyard, Right? So what I want to see us do this here is we're going to have a missions trip right here. What we're going to do is we're going to take a week and we're going to take some projects from around the community and we're going to help people. We're going to paint houses. We're going to fix doors. We're going to fix stuff. There is a huge number of help that's needed in our community uh, through organizations. We're going to help them. This is, this is really crazy. This isn't for sure yet, but this is, you guys are on the front line of this right now. Okay, this is what I also think I want to do too. I want to find a family that genuinely needs help in our community. Not just whatever, but, but someone who genuinely needs help. And I want to bring them here on a Sunday morning, and I want to bless the socks off of them. I want to bless the socks off. I want them to have no possible understanding on, on why we're doing this. I want to help them. I want to, if there's a, a mom, a single mom, whatever it might be, to bless the socks off of them during that week. Anybody with me? That'd be fun, wouldn't it? It'd be fun to give like that, right? That's, 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 that's serve week. Be prepared for that. 
uh, keep some time off of work for that. I'll just be honest with you. You're going to have to take time off of work. Okay, you're like, wow, that's a big thing. Yeah, it is. You know, maybe not everybody will. But what if we had this team of people that went all over Monticello and Big Lake and knocked on doors and said, we are here to serve you, get nothing in return. We're going to buy your paints. We're going to paint your house for you. We're going to fix your shutters. We're going to fix this. We're going to do that. We're going to rake your leaves. We're going to do whatever else because Christ loves you. We're here to show that to you. Man, that's what I want to be about as a church. This is step one. That's what I want to do. Give them give praise this morning. That would be fun. That's going to be good this morning. I'm excited this year, too, because we're going to teach on some cool things. Man, God has given me some, I, I'm excited so much for some series we're going to do. We're going to do a series on, on families and on marriages, on relationships this year. Uh, you know, not just like empty, like, okay, do this and things will get better. But, but making your life and your marriage and your walk, with, your walk with your spouse, your family, to be under the influence of Jesus Christ. There are people in our church, there are people in our community that are, that are struggling mightily right now in their marriages. Now, don't look around, but there's people in this room right now, and you are struggling in your marriage, and you know who you are. Some of you, I know who you are. I won't tell, I promise. But, but we're gonna, I want to help people to, get, to, 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 to put that under the blood of Jesus Christ. We're going to teach this year on some, some end time stuff. We're going to talk about what Revelation says, really says, and not just a bunch of stuff, but okay, what prophecy, what Revelation says, and what's happening in our world around us. We're going to talk this year, uh, and we're going we're to walk through this, this year, the Holy Spirit, what that means. And then one series I'm really excited about, we're going to call Thriving in Babylon. We're going to talk about how we can thrive in this society. We can thrive in this world and not as, as marginal people left in the corners, but people who are living in a sinful time but making a difference in our world. We're going to talk about that. I'm excited about that. And then, of course, as well, we're going to do some very, very uh, uh, um, uh, practical things this year as well. One issue... And I'm really excited about that this church has dealt with for many, many years is the sound in here. Everybody, everybody clap right now. Just once. Just clap. You hear how, how, how resounding that sound is? It's, it's loud. I've been doing a little research last few weeks and uh, talking to people uh, around the, uh, the, the, our, our area in our world about their sound in their church. We've, we've bought a, a sound meter to monitor our sound, we found that our sound tends to be about 10 dB below most other churches. You say, that's not possible. It's so loud in here. Well, the reason is, is because of what you've experienced. It's very loud. There's, it's very uh, reflective and such. So I'm so excited. We have the possibility, not the possibility, we have, it's going to happen where we're starting in the process of dealing with the sound in here. We have hired a professional sound uh, uh, um, consultant to help us to set the proper professional panels against the walls to deaden sound in here, but to do it so it doesn't kill it, but to do it responsibly. Uh, we have somebody who has agreed to pay for that. God bless them. I'm so excited. It's going to be awesome. And, uh, and I won't tell you who that is either, but it's pretty cool that we're going to deal with that this year. It's going to be amazing. Uh, one thing, too, many people have asked for, they, they've asked for uh, online giving. Uh, right now is about a, about a month and a half out. We have it. 
it's turned on. We're getting all the bugs worked out and helping it to kind of work and such. So we have that in place. And so for those of you that have asked about that, it's coming. And so uh, it's, it's almost there. Uh, we are going to address some other areas of need in our church as well. I'm not going to get into that yet, but... God is, is helping us, and God is leading us, and God is putting things together so that we can position ourselves to make 2016 and 2017 and beyond when this church can make a difference in our community. Can I hear an amen this, this morning? You said it a lot today, but it's true. I'm excited for that. I'm excited as we have leaders stepping up we, and people stepping in and saying, I own this, this vision. I own this direction that we're going in. I will, make it, I will make it my vision as well. I have a vision beyond that God would give us teachers that could help teach us the word. I'm, pre- I'm a preacher. Now, I can teach if I have to, but I'm not great at it. There's people out here that are better teachers than I am. I'm trusting for God to give us teachers that can teach the word. I'm trusting for disciple makers that can say, my goal and my purpose and my desire is to make disciples and to help lead people to Christ. That's evangelism. Discipleship is we get them in and we help them to know who Christ is. I have a vision as a church for a team to go out from in our community and to go to places like Walmart and Target and whatever else and not be weird about it, but just pray for people and just be a blessing to people. Give money to people when they need it and just be a general blessing in our community. I have a, a vision as a church for a, a, a ministry that is going out to visit uh, shut-ins and people that are in, in need and such. And, and so all of these things will happen as we begin to step in and say, I'm a part of the solution of what God wants to do in our church. I'm excited for our kids' ministry because I think Pastor Jen's going to do a great job, not to put any pressure on her, but I think she is. But I'm excited because I can see that in her heart, similar to my heart and our hearts, that we're not here just to give kids a good time. We're here to disciple kids. I see our youth ministry thriving and growing, and I see God doing good things for Pastor Joe. How many kids have you guys have been, been having on Wednesday nights? 35 to 40 kids, right? It's been, yeah. And, and how many of those kids... Um, our kids that are not a, a part of our church right now. A lot of them, yeah. There's, there's kids that have co- got, gotten saved and such in our youth ministry. And it's cool because uh, God is using our youth ministry to disciple kids. Man, that's, a, that's, that's an awesome thing, right? 2016 is going to be an eight-arrow year. And 2017 is going to be an eight-arrow year. And 2018 is going to be an eight-arrow year. And you say, oh, man, that sounds like a lot, of, a lot of arrows and a lot of efforts. I don't know about you, but I'd rather put my effort and my heart into the kingdom rather than anything else. Julie, you could come up, come up this morning if you could. I want to be quick here, and I promise I'm almost done, but I, I have to tell a story this morning. You got the mic down there? <clears throat> this is Julie. Many, many of you know Julie. Julie Horn, and uh, Julie Horn is a blessing, and she did she she wanted to do this, but she was a little bit nervous, and so I, I you know, we're going to be good in this, but uh, I'll tell you something, I'm going to beg on Julie for a minute here tonight, is that Julie is here every Wednesday early, she is here all day, 
And she is working and serving and preparing and readying our Wednesday night kids programs uh, to teach them and to lead them and such. And she, man, you should see what her and my wife, and especially her, we should see what they do on, 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 on Wednesdays. Is they're, they're cutting stuff and they're painting stuff and they're getting stuff ready and everything. It's so incredible. It's amazing to watch. And I asked her this like this, Drew, would you just share a little bit about why you serve in our church and why you put so much effort forward? And, and so, Julie, that's the question I have for you is, why do you serve and why do you put so much effort forward in our church? Well, I definitely have a before and after story and just a little short blip of it. Um, I had a laptop church, and, and as, a, as a young kid, and maybe most of you wouldn't believe this, I was a little bully at school. I was a What makes it uh, unbelievable is what God did in me. That's what's unbelievable because he can take a hurt little kid who is hurt herself and wanting to hurt other people to and cussing me out and setting me in a different spot. And he changed my heart. He did. And when you were talking about keys, I was thinking about keys too. You know, I had wrapped up my heart and made it because I was protecting it. And I felt like I was the one that needed to do it. But the Lord's love is so, it's indescribable. It's so loving and caring. And he, he loves us just where we are. I didn't have anything to offer him at that time. I was a little, mean little kid. And, and again, he took me out. He set me in a different place. And he held the He's the one that unraveled all of that hurt and that stuff. And just the reason that I do, that I love working with kids, and maybe, maybe that was it, but I, could, I knew what the hopelessness was and when the hope was found, and it was found in the Lord. So to introduce that to the kids and retell their stories, I believe in every single story that is in the Bible. And... I want to just relay that back to the parents because I believe it. I believe it with all my heart, and I believe that it changes our heart. And just this past Wednesday, that was what our theme was. And the key verse, it's impossible. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That was our verse this Wednesday. The Lord instructs it all. He is just so wonderful in that way. So that's why I want to do it. And... When you come to that point of saying, Lord, I want to do that for you, and you have those arrows in your hand, and you're like, I'm in over my head. I say that almost every week. Yeah. It's like, Lord, I don't know how to, how do I teach this? How does, how do I make it? You know, they can, they can have it in their mind, but how does it sink down and get into their heart? And that's the Lord's work. And yeah. it's like, Lord, I lay my, whatever I do, I lay that down. And you're the one that's going to show up, and you're the one that's going to change their heart. Amen. Thank you, Julie. I appreciate that this morning. Folks, I see a people that get an eight arrow F. You might want to come. I see a oh, absolutely. Oh, you're on. Oh, I'm on. Okay. I was thinking about those arrows, too. And when we throw down those arrows, you know, the Lord, 
is the supplier of all the arrows. He has an infinite number of arrows. So when we throw that down, that's who supplies the rest of the arrows. Our quiver is never full because he is the one that has all the gifts, all the resources. So he's going to give that to us. Like she said, she said, I don't know if we're saying anything. I'm not sure I'm going to say it at this stage. You've got to ask me everything. And so, Julie, you did a fantastic job. I want you to stand across this room this, this morning. Stand up today. I want to ask you to close your eyes. Bow your heads this morning. Not everyone's a teacher. Not everyone teaches kids' church. Not everybody, te- not everybody preaches. Not everybody, worship, not everybody leads in worship. Not everybody gives, makes donuts and like, like Pam and, and Ron is so, so wonderful on Sunday mornings before church. and Everybody does these things, but everybody does something. Heads bowed, eyes closed this morning. If you'd say, Pastor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give an eight-arrow effort. Maybe you're an usher. Maybe you're a greeter. And you say, that is a valuable, vital, important ministry. And you say, Pastor, I've, I've, not, I've given a three-arrow effort. I'm going to step it up to an eight-arrow effort. That's you this morning. I want to ask you today to make a declaration between you and God and say, God, eight-arrow effort. If you were here today, maybe you're a, a prayer warrior, and God's called you to be a prayer warrior. He's called you to be a person who intercedes for people, and you know that. You say, God, I'm going to give an eight-arrow effort. I'm going to lay it all down. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to pray for this church and pray for this ministry and pray for what you're doing. If God's called you, maybe today you're here and you're not involved in anything yet. And you say, well, what I, what is, what's there for me? What am I supposed to do? I want to encourage you to, get, to give an eight-arrow effort to discover that. To say, God, I don't know what it is yet, but I'm going to look. I'm going to search. I'm going to find I'm going to, I'm going to give it a full effort. I'm going to, going to give you everything, and God trusts you that you'll use it to make a difference, that you'll use it to strike an arrow in the heart of the enemy, that God can do good things in this city. If you believe it this morning, I want to hear a shout today. God can do good things here in Monticello and Big Lake, right? God can do good things here. Amen. If you say, Pastor, I, I, I'm going to give an, an, an eight-arrow effort as a teacher as a, as maybe God's called you to preach. Maybe God's called you to reach out to people and, and put things together. God, this year, I'm going to give an eight-arrow effort. At this morning, if I could have the prayer team come forward today, if that's you and you say, man, pastor, I, I need prayer. I need to see God's face. I'm going to dedicate some things. The altar is open. I want to encourage you to find someone to pray with you or find a place to pray and say, God, this year will be different. Lord, this year, I'm giving you an eight-arrow effort. Lord, this year I'm giving you everything. As we worship God one more time today, as we seek his face one more time today, as we worship him, I want to encourage you today to do business with God and say, God, this year, eight-arrow effort and nothing less. Jesus, I pray over this church as we close this morning. Lord Jesus, may this year be an eight-arrow year. Lord, may this year, God, you do the goals and the things set before us. Lord, may this year be a year, Jesus, in which you give us, Lord, so much. Lord, to position us, God, make a difference in our community. We want people to find and follow you, Jesus. And Lord, we give our lives to that. I pray this in your strong, holy name. As you worship God today, just dedicate that to him. We pray.